in the morning. When you want the news, you need the front page every hour on the press box. Nothing's writing on this except the uh, First Amendment, the Constitution, freedom of the press, and maybe the future of the country. Not that any of that matters. And now, the news. According to a tweet from Cameron Wolf, Trevor Lawrence's wife made a reservation at Waffle House. I didn't know that was possible. I don't. Go ahead, Jared. Oh, I was going to say, I got two theories. I got two theories. The first one is sort of like whenever a celebrity goes to a store, they call ahead and they're like, yeah, you're going to need to shut down because one person is going to be shopping. Yeah, you're going to need to go ahead and shut down the Waffle House because one person will be eating. Or they called and the manager went, yeah, sure, we'll have a table ready for you. (laughs) And hung up and went, all right, I got. To, I need to make some cheesy eggs. I don't know, some look crazy lady on the phone. So there's video. Trevor Lawrence went to Waffle House after the Jags beat the Chargers. The thing is, though, Jared, they didn't. It wasn't an empty Waffle House at that point. Like there were people in the Waffle House, so they did. They definitely didn't shut down the Waffle House for Trevor Lawrence to show up. Uh, then no. Then the manager definitely said, "Oh, sure, honey," and hung, <laughs> hung up the phone. And, Wolf followed it up with saying, it sounds more like a call ahead to make sure you have room for 20 people to eat together. Waffle House doesn't typically take true reservations, but they can make things smoother for the franchise is, QB. Is there a Waffle House in the world that 20 people can eat together? There's like seven booths and a yeah. bar. Yeah, you would, you would. all you would do is literally just go, okay, we'll take those five booths. And, and that's all of the like, booths in the that's restaurant. That's all of the booths. Yeah. It's... I. Actually, Jared's probably right. The manager said, yeah, whatever. Come on in. But do they even answer the phone at Waffle House? Like, I've never called a Waffle House before. I've never called a Waffle House. But that seems like the place that wouldn't answer the phone. This is the place that wouldn't have a phone to begin with. You'd be like, why do they have a well, phone? I assume that a lot, based on the employees, that there's a lot of, yeah, um, I'm blah, blah, blah's parole officer. He's not going to be making it into work today. So they need some sort of... Some sort of way to get a hold of whoever the line cook is. Hey, one time, no waffle. <laughs> I know. I'm yeah, we're still disappointed in you, Ed. No waffle. This is still disappointed. We need to have a group outing where you and Tyler <laughs> and I go to Waffle House, and then we'll drive to Culver's. So we'll just be on the road for 24 hours. I think the first thing I should say is I hate you both. The NFL sent a memo to teams about... Pushing quarterbacks during quarterback sneaks. This happened earlier during the regular season. Apparently, NFL teams have been complaining about the Philadelphia Eagles this year. The Eagles ran 32 quarterback sneaks this season. Um, that The previous high by an NFL team was 21. They only started tracking this in 2000, though, so maybe there was more in like the 60s. But um, the real key here is that the Eagles this year, according to The Athletic, They've had 13 quarterback sneaks this year where two players were pushing Jalen Hurts forward. And they had three quarterback sneaks this year where three players were pushing Jalen Hurts forward. Now the Eagles have converted 93% of their quarterback sneaks into first downs or touchdowns. They made a t-shirt. So the NFL sent out a memo clarifying the rules on this. You are allowed to push the quarterback or any ball carrier from behind. To gain yards. You are not allowed to effectively pull the quarterback. So you can't get on the side or in front of 
Like Basically, the lineman can't turn around, take his shirt, and keep pulling him. Yeah, or give them a hug and pull him right. forward. You can push, but you cannot can't pull. pull. Um, the athletic right. story quoted one uh, NFL staffer who said, no team thinks it's fair. Well, should it be allowed? If they weren't in first well, place. Get better offensive linemen who are willing to help your quarterback. I was going to say, if they weren't in first place and so good, and they're in last place doing this, nobody would care about it. Should it be allowed, though? Like, should you be allowed to run up behind be your quarterback to run and behind push? Him and push? I don't know about hugging them and pulling I, them along. I'm a firm believer of in the the stalemate can only last like two seconds because I'm really tired of the, oh, nope, he didn't get it. Okay, the refs aren't blowing the whistle. And he got, and it. He got it. All right, I guess standing him up and nothing happening for a second is a valid argument. Yeah, it's. Uh, I think it should be completely allowed. Um, it's football. Uh, pushing your teammate forward should ap- should always be allowed. I, there's no doubt about it. In my mind, I mean, if there's a big pile up, defensive backs can run in and start pushing the opposite sure. direction. Yeah, so sure. why can't the running back yeah. run in behind or and what, push him. what teams do is they motion the tight end and then the tight end sneaks in and starts pushing the quarterback yeah. too. Should be completely allowed and just instead of complaining about it, every single team in the NFL should do it. Just keep doing it. It's yeah. third and one. Yeah, All right, quarterback. Exactly. Why don't you do it? Push the guy. Instead push that quarterback. And forward. I don't know. If, and no one, no one team thinks it's fair. A lot of teams do this. Eagle, well, yeah, because it's like, oh, it's not fair. We better start doing yeah, it too. Exactly. Like, this is a bunch of crap, but we're gonna do it too because we're not gonna let them be the only ones to do it. I don't care about your next question. Also, the Cowboys have been cheating. Um, this is a tweet from Michael Gelkin. All season, Cowboys punter Brian Anger has plucked a white blade of glass, grass, to give himself a sight line when placing the hold on field goals and extra points. But an official told Anger before the second PAT against the uh, Bucks that that is not allowed. Why on earth would that I not mean, be what allowed? What is the point of that in terms of saying that's illegal? You're picking a blade of grass. So he picks a white blade of gla- grass, yes, puts it down it, so that he knows where, where to put to the ball, yes. and then it's kicked. Why, yes. Why would you not be able to do that? I don't know, but now we know why he missed four extra points. <laughs> like, what? what's the lot? You can't pl- place grass on top of grass? And who's looking that closely? I by? don't know. Who, who's watching him that closely that he's picking a play, blade of grass? You're going over. It's no. like, well, you can't do that, man. You can't do that, Brian. That definitely feels like Brian going up to the ref and go, see what I do. What I do <laughs> is this. And the ref being like, you, you can't do that. Actually, it sounds like the other team called and said, hey, the Cowboys are doing this. Watch him. He, Make he him plucks knock it off. a piece of grass. But would the, would the other team even notice I can't, that? I was going to say, not even notice. Would they even know it's against the rules? I, yeah, I wouldn't. Unless you call the other. Hey, can you can, can you, you grab a, a piece what, of grass? What is the rule book? That's what I want to know. What does the rule book say? That you can't grab a piece of grass and put it down somewhere else? Like, what on earth could the rule book say to not let you do that? I have no idea. I no can't, clue what it This is, say. again... This is why these rule books are jokes where they get to this level of infractions <laughs> that someone actually thought about this. Like, actually, someone around who makes these rules up actually was sitting around thinking about this. You know, I once saw a guy pick a blade of grass. Maybe we should make that illegal. We need holders to be better. They can't be cheating yeah, they with can't these be cheating blades with the blade of, grass. of grass. The integrity of the game is being threatened by the blades of grass. Wow. Sorry. We'll talk to Adam oh. Candy later. I got you. <laughs> Thank you. Sorry. Sorry. We did not get to this yesterday. 
But Cliff Kingsbury is in Taiwan. Oh, it's so yeah. good. It's uh, such a good story. Pete Schrager reported on Fox that Cliff Kingsbury got fired by the Cardinals, but he bought a one-way ticket to Thailand and has been telling any interested teams he's not interested in returning to the NFL at the moment. I would just like to say that Cliff Kingsbury is doing almost exactly what I think I would do if I got fired as an NFL coach, had a multi-million dollar buyout, I'd be like, all right. Would it be Thailand? Where would you go? Probably not Thailand, but it would be, I'm going to go on vacation for quite a while because I'm getting paid to do nothing. Right. 100%. All these coaches are like, let's get back into the game. Yeah, I can't no. I can't I can't stay out too long because I might not be able to get back in. You're getting paid like 3 million to just go away, buddy. Just go away. Yeah. But he bought a one-way ticket too. He's like, ah, whatever. This is this is why I've always respected Jimmy Johnson. Is after like the disaster years in Miami, he was just like I'm just going to go fish. Yeah. Like, he went to Miami, he bought it. Well, he'd already had his house, but he just went fishing. Yeah, he just is like, I, I'll work most Sundays. I'll work one day a week. And the rest of the time, I'm just going uh, to fish be on my and boat. drink heavily. He had his boat. At my restaurant that I own. Did uh, did Bill Lambeer get any sort of buyout? I, I think his contract was up. So I don't think he got one from the Aces. But Bill Lambeer very well, much is like, I'm just going back to my assuming. farm. He was fine financially anyway. Yeah, probably. But like if I don't know if he had a buyout, but he was just like, all right, I'm gonna go back and ride my Get on tractor, the tractor on the farm. Michigan farm, yeah. And then show up to the occasional aces yeah. game and high five people. But that is that is what I'm surprised more coaches don't do when they get the massive buyout. Yeah. Which by the way leads me to this question. Uh not that I'll be able to track down this answer. Does anybody know what Marcus Arroyo is doing? He, uh, no. he has not gotten a new job yet that I've seen reported. Voting anyway. on... Blocked you on Twitter, unfollowed me. Oh, he unfollowed you? Oh, wow. 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 That's a conscious decision. Yeah, it is Unfollow conscious Follow this decision. guy. Yeah, this guy, this bum. Um, because he, the thing with Marcus Arroyo, he gets 75% of his salary from UNLV until he finds another, another job. job. And then once he finds another job, he gets $0 the rest of the way from UNLV. So he's just getting his monthly check, but it's only 75% of it. He does. It is does say in his contract he has to be actively looking for a job. But you can. How kinda, do you prove that? Right. You can be like, ah, I applied for this. They didn't yeah. give it to me. I do wonder. I listen. My assumption always was Marcus Arroyo's young. Marcus Arroyo is going to be the football coach that is like, all right, I got to get back into this. Whether it's a maybe I'm just a wide receiver coach, coach or coordinator at Stanford or whatever school it is. But hey, maybe Marcus Arroyo is going to be like, I got seventy five percent of my salary to do nothing. I'm going to take a year yeah. off. Make yeah. them pay me. Sit back. Maybe he's in Thailand with Cliff Kingsbury. <laughs> oh, come on. We know Marcus doesn't have any friends. Oh, Next question. Standing in your corner. Next question. Jim Rutherford said the Vancouver Canucks have had contacts with head coaching candidates. <laughs> Bruce Boudreaux is their current head coach. <laughs> Rutherford said on Monday, all I can say is Bruce is our coach right now. What? Legally. He is our coach. <laughs> what? So the Canucks are, are interviewing head coaching candidates without having fired their coach already. What's and that? This The tweet from uh, Herman Dow says coaching candidates going back as far as months. Oh, it's been happening. Yes. It's been going on. Like the whole season. That's, what? How annoying. Why don't you just fire the guy and get like the assistant to take over till you hire somebody? I, 
I guess. Uh, maybe they don't want to pay him to go away. They're like, all right, until we find another guy, you're our coach, dude. We're not paying you to do nothing. Like, have, have, we have a contract. I'm sure I'm sure it may be something similar has happened before, but can you remember a time in any sport where a team said out loud, we're looking for a new head coach while no. the current head coach was still there? Like, I'm sure t- teams have done it, I'm sure. Well, teams have done it behind the scenes. Right. They're like, but they right. haven't come out and said like it. The Broncos. Yeah, knew they were, they were going to fire him, him so like, they started right. thinking about who could replace him. Yeah, what does Harbaugh think about this job and all that? Right. But, like, to say it out loud in the middle of the season, well, yeah, he's our coach right now, but I've been talking to guys. Sort of like Jim Rutherford in this weird situation. It'd be funny to cover him. I I mean, I guess he's being honest. Uh, Blatantly so. (laughs) Maybe. Yes. Maybe too much so. George McPhee's looking at this saying, he said what? Wait, I can just say that now? George McPhee talks? Well, to Kelly McCrimmon. That's true. Tells Kelly McCrimmon what to say to the media sometimes. All right, coming up next. We'll jump back into the NFL and talk about some quarterback decisions coming up in the offseason. It's football. Um, I got a hit. I got a bounty on me every week. I go out there on the field, so um, go out there and just play my game. You know, whatever happens, happens. We're back to the press box morning show with Ed Greeny and Tyler Bischoff. Coming up in about twenty minutes, we are going to have tickets to give away to go see Carlos Santana here on ESPN Las Vegas. That was Jalen Hurts. My question is, if he had said that in what year was it? 2015, 16, the Sean Payton, New Orleans Saints bounty gate. (laughs) What would the response have been if Jalen Hurts had said, oh, there's a bounty on me every week? Would have been great. But I don't think he meant it that way. The NFL should investigate. What do all these teams, what are the Giants Yeah, why don't you investigate that then more than Blades of Grass? Ah, Blades of Grass are very important. Very, very important. Uh, But bounties on the quarterbacks, not uh, not Not, so much. Yeah. Um, so, a couple quarterbacks we want to talk about. First, Lamar Jackson. Ravens eliminated by the Bengals. Um, Ravens played this year six games without Lamar Jackson, five regular season games, and then the one playoff game. They did not reach 20 points in any of the games without Lamar Jackson this year. Offense was just completely crushed once Lamar Jackson was out. What happens to Lamar Jackson this offseason? Given what they've offered him and what he's turned down, and I think he's representing himself. I think yes. he represents himself. I think because of the injuries, there's a little concern. Not enough not to franchise tag him, though. Because I think they franchise tag him. And then, I mean, all things could break loose because he just might not show up. Right. The franchise tag gives the Ravens, conceivably, Lamar Jackson for another season without a long-term commitment. Right. Which is the same conversation with the Raiders and Josh Jacobs, right? How worrisome is it to give a player a long-term contract? Running backs usually don't last that long. Lamar Jackson has missed, what is it? I think five game, five regular season games in each of the last two seasons. And the Ravens aren't very good when he's not in there. However, they're 45 and 16 in his career when he does he start. It's an MVP. They're very, very yeah. good. I think the big difference, or at least what was reported from this previous offseason... Lamar Jackson wants the fully guaranteed deal that Deshaun Watson got. And from what was reported, it sounds like the the Ravens actually offered Lamar Jackson a contract that was similar to like Russell Wilson's Just or, not fully or Deshaun with Watson's, but it was not fully. It right. was the normal NFL, you know, two or three of the five years are fully guaranteed. And Lamar wants what all Deshaun five Watson or however got. long it is fully guaranteed. 
And if you're the Ravens, honestly, if you're any NFL team, you really don't want to do that. Whether it's Lamar Jackson or any quarterback or any player, you want to give out as little guaranteed money as possible. But even more so with Lamar Jackson, who's been hurt the last two uh, seasons and has hurt the Ravens chances to advance there. I'm fascinated to see how it plays out because Lamar Jackson's leverage right now is, oh, you see what happened to your team when I didn't play the last five games of the season? Sure, and you see what happened when I start? Yeah. Like, his leverage is very much, uh, we can win And you got me all these weapons. Yeah, that too. (laughs) His leverage is very much, we can win the Super Bowl if I'm your quarterback. Right. And when I'm not your quarterback... You stink. Yeah, you can't score 20 points a game. Now, the defense is pretty good, so you still won a couple of those games, but... You can't score 20 points a game. I'm just curious what the Ravens do. And I, I do think it's a situation where the franchise tag makes the most sense for the team. But is Lamar Jackson the guy that doesn't show up when he's placed on the franchise tag? And if so, are the Ravens in a situation where they prefer to trade him rather than give him the fully guaranteed deal? I don't think they're willing to trade him. I think they'd be If he's too, not showing up? I think they'd be too concerned about what would happen if he left given what you've all all the evidence you presented there with the starting record and what they've done without him um maybe they tag him and he doesn't show up and they can get a deal done but i think i think they're going to tag him and i think he might not show up and at that point you have to give him a fully guaranteed deal if you're afraid of playing without him Yeah, like if he if he says I'm not showing up on the franchise tag, and he wants a fully guaranteed deal, how else is yeah. he showing up? I guess I guess Lamar Jackson could break and he I mean, could, he could, he come, could show he up. He could break and they could add another year on, but not fully guaranteed. They could do something with their offer. But it, if if Lamar Jackson's not willing to show up on the franchise tag and he wants a fully guaranteed deal, then it sounds like the Ravens would have to decide: do we give him a fully guaranteed deal or do we trade him? Yeah, I mean, or like you said, he could come back off his off his demands. He could. Um, so I'm I'm curious. He also didn't travel with the team to Cincinnati no. for the playoff game. Saw that game, on Twitter. I which, don't know what... I, is that weird or not weird? Injured player who's not going to play doesn't travel to a road game. Hey, Derek Carr didn't. That those were both home <laughs> games. He didn't travel to Allegiant. <laughs> he didn't leave his house. He didn't leave his. Well, I don't know if he didn't leave well, his house. Well, I mean, but... he went. He went somewhere. <laughs> I. It's a, it's a weird situation, and I would be curious to see if there is a trade candidate trade possibility they're similar to Devonte adams and the packers last year right adams they, they tagged him but adams wasn't going to play on it and ultimately got traded despite getting tagged i do wonder if there's a situation where lamar jackson gets traded no what would he be tagged? quite a lot yeah. i mean you're you're we talked yesterday about uh, the texans having number two number 12 this year and then two first next year Three of those picks, if if you're the Texans, if you want him, yeah, and that's just using the Texans because they got the most draft capital over the next two years. But like to use the Raiders for example, you'd have to give up at least this year and next year's first draft, absolutely, pick. and then probably another like second or third round pick on top of that. And even that's probably not enough at the end of the day. You probably still need more. You probably still need to add something. I don't know if they do. They have any young players that the Ravens would want. Probably not. Like, you can't really trade, like, Max Crosby because he's on a big contract. I guess you could, but wouldn't make a whole lot of sense. So it's going to take a lot to get Lamar Jackson. But I'd be curious because we talked about the the Jets yesterday. Owner Woody Johnson comes out and says, we're willing to spend big or pay big, whatever it was, to get a quarterback. If Lamar Jackson becomes available, 
right? If it's like, oh, we're going to trade this guy and you're the Jets, you're saying that's our, you're probably saying that's our guy, right? Of all the quarterback options yes. in the offseason, that's probably going to be the number and one if they're guy. They're going to spend you big. Want. They're going to spend probably what you just said. Right. If of all the quarterbacks we know that even could become available, Brady, even if Aaron Rodgers became available, Garoppolo, Garoppolo Carr, Geno Smith, Lamar Jackson's you're taking yes. that guy over any of those yes. quarterbacks right now. So if he did become available, you might have an actual bidding war because Houston, the Raiders, the Jets, Panthers, the, the Panthers, the commander said they're sticking with Sam Howell, but the, the commanders Colts get involved, probably the Colts. Like you'd have five, six, seven teams that would say, we need that guy. Yeah. What do you want for I mean, him? The Vikings. They need a quarterback. Are we sure? Kirk clutch Kirk Cousins led them to so many one possession wins, Jared. Kirk Cousins was like the second best quarterback in the league last weekend. Jesus, last except for weekend. One pass. <laughs> yeah. yeah, except for the clutch pass. That's fine. Short of the sticks. He was good. He was actually good. Just they lost to the Giants because Daniel Jones was maybe the best quarterback of the weekend. So I'm curious to see what happens with the Ravens. I'm curious to see if he becomes a trade candidate. I think I'm. I think that's what I'm cheering for. The offseason will be fun if Lamar well, Jackson is. If is he's a trade candidate, it'll be fun because I'd love to know what he's worth. Yeah. I'd love to know, like, uh, how much would people pay for this guy in today's market? And it'd be, you know, it'd be great to see how many ones you'd have to give up for him. Would teams be hesitant to trade for a quarterback because of what just happened with Russell Wilson? The Broncos gave oh, up multiple picks and then signed him to the large I mean, deal. I think it, with Lamar Jackson, it might be just more about his injuries. Well, it's okay, yeah, that way too. I mean, you could you know, be hesitant, you could be hesitant about like this guy has missed some time now, two straight years. Yeah, like you want two firsts for a guy that doesn't play the right, entire exactly. season. It would it would be an interesting trademark. And I would say if you're the Raiders, if Lamar Jackson's available, you you have to try to go get him. Right? Maybe the Texans because they've got more picks can Went get out. him or whatever. Yeah. Or maybe the Jets because their owner is like, yep, we're giving them whatever they want. Fine. But if you're the Raiders, because as I've been saying this whole year, because of the quarterback status of the AFC, the only real way you're contending in the AFC over the next decade is to somehow find a franchise-level quarterback. Now, are you okay with, because we've talked about Brady and giving him money and what it could do to the cap comparative to what they'd be able to do other places. Are you okay with giving up the capital and then having to sign this guy for how much he would demand? Yes, because you are conceivably getting Lamar Jackson for a decade. Whereas Tom Brady, you'd be getting him for, you'd have maybe for a year. It'd be like one year, maybe two that you have to win. Whereas with Lamar Jackson, you can trade the picks. You can give up the cap space and you can say, Hey, we're probably not very good next year. But after that, we're going to build the roster because if you get Lamar, you're conceivably saying we've got 10 years to win here. Where with Tom Brady, you've got one or two. And you can get Lamar and say, hey, this is for 2024. And Lamar is used to setting up on the run because his line is Swiss cheese <laughs> and the Raiders aren't even going to give him a line. Devontae Adams will actually change to right tackle next year. Coming up next, Jason Fitz joins the show. Of course, can I play at a high level? Yeah, the highest. I think I can win MVP again in the right situation. Right situation? Is that Green Bay or is that somewhere else? I'm not sure. It's the Press Box with Graney and Bischoff on ESPN Las Vegas. 
Joining us now on ESPN Las Vegas is Jason Fitz. You can hear him right after us on ESPN Radio on Fitz and Harry. Good morning, Jason. Hey, Jason. God, tell me you're as exhausted by Aaron Rodgers as I am. Like, Aaron Rodgers at this point is like, you know, look, I get that there are just absolutely beautiful people in the, the world that can be high maintenance, but there has to be a limit where you look around, you're like, you know what? No, I'm just, you play that and it just makes my skin crawl. And it's like, why? Why do you have to be that way? Why does everything have to be that way for Aaron Rodgers? It, it's, it's exhausting. Good morning, gentlemen. Man, this is bothering I'll, you. I'll get Jason. I'll give you the key here because I've had the same take on Aaron Rodgers for the last three off seasons. It doesn't make sense for the Packers to move on from Aaron Rodgers, and there's not a better scenario where Aaron Rodgers can realistically go. He's going to stay in Green Bay until he retires, and everything he says is meaningless. I completely agree with every ounce of that. And he said a super passive-aggressive thing, too, where he's like, you know, if they love Jordan Rodgers and they're ready for or Jordan Love and they're ready for Jordan Love, then, you know, they should just play Jordan Love, which is his way of saying, I see Jordan Love every day and that guy's not ready to be on the field, right? Like, there's just no – everything for him has to be so hidden. Like, just, just be honest. And also for everybody – and I, I had this argument with my producer. You guys can appreciate this all fourth wallet. My producer is sitting there today saying, well, we should talk about, you know, whether or not they, they can trade him. If they trade him, it's like a $99 million cap hit or whatever it is. And, like, if they split it, or 60, I guess, this year. And if they split it over two years, it's $35 million. Like, why would Green Bay even entertain that? The least consequential cap consequence for them is to force him to stay in Green Bay. So I just don't see – I don't see, like, we spent – we did this on ESPN. We spent a whole offseason saying it's going to be unprecedented change a couple of years ago. And it was like Jared Goff going to the Lions. Like, it was going to be the same thing all over again. It was just, he just wants the attention. He's just a constant thirst trap for people to talk about him. I heard you, I think it was yesterday on your show, talking about Tom Brady as a Raider, and you are very much against it. Uh, it's not that I'm against it. I just don't see why it makes sense. Like, look, I, I, again, I'll say so loudly for every Raiders fan listening. Right now, I don't care about the tuck rule. I don't care where you're from. I don't care who you played for. I don't care. It's like if somebody told me today that John Elway was ready to play and can play at the highest level, puts on a Raiders jersey, welcome on in. I don't care anymore about what, what we saw 20 years ago, 15 years ago, or the rivalries I grew up with. I just want to watch a winning damn season. So I don't care who my quarterback is. I just don't understand why people think that Brady to the Raiders makes sense. This team needs likely 10 new starters on the defensive side of the ball, <laughs> likely two or three new offensive linemen. And you factor in, like, okay, you bring Brady in. Sure, this year was not the greatest. Like, kissed by the football gods some year. This year, it was not kissed by the football gods, right? Like, it was just one of those years where everything broke wrong. Even if Brady results in two or three more wins, all right, so you're going to bring Brady over to be the third-best team in the division next year? Like, what's the point of that? Why would Brady want to come to the Raiders? And also, what does it really solve long-term? Like, the Raiders need to figure out what they're going to do for a decade to compete with Mahomes and Herbert. And the answer to that question is not now or ever going to be Tom Brady. So you're you're Dave Ziegler today. If you've moved on from Brady in your mind, what are you thinking then? Um, I'm thinking probably, uh, I mean, dream scenario, I'm bringing Jimmy G over and I'm drafting somebody. And look, you guys know I'm risk averse in the, the draft position. Uh, Bryce Young, I've talked to now basically every person on my Rolodex about Bryce Young, and they keep telling me the same thing, that he's frail in body size. And, I, like, I'm not sure how much I really care about that, but everybody else does. Uh, C.J. Stroud, I think, 
you know, has shown enough. I think C.J. Stroud went and got himself paid. I talked to somebody uh, that, that knows one of his advisors about the concept going into the semifinal that he was afraid to use his legs to just extend plays. And what did he do against Georgia? He used his legs in ways they weren't prepared for. So I think C.J. Stroud was out there reminding teams I am capable of it. Missed me with any of the conversation, too, about Ohio State quarterbacks in the past. Like, the hell does that have to do with C.J. Stroud right now? The answer is nothing. So either of those guys I understand betting on. Um, I went back because I have no life, and I watched every single snap of every single Kentucky game this year. And Will Levis is an athlete, and Will Levis can make any football throw, and he looks like a quarterback, and he acts like a quarterback, all those things. But if you throw into triple coverage three times against Vandy because you're not reading the defense right, how are you going to face an NFL defense? So I have real questions about Anthony Richardson, Will Levis. Like I think those are more developmental projects. So if I'm Dave Ziegler, I'm drafting a quarterback, and I'm hoping Jimmy G can do can be Alex Smith to whoever my next Mahomes is. You watched every Kentucky snap. Yeah, what's I'm wrong not with proud you? Of it either. What's, what, I'm okay, not proud of here's it. an important question: What did you eat and or drink while you watched these snaps? Look, I'm I am squarely into like I'm doing Orange Theory a bunch right now. I'm eating grilled chicken and protein. I wasn't <sighs> eating anything. I was drinking water and uh, iced coffee while I was watching every snap of Will Levis saying, what's wrong with my life right now? Start the draft prep, you know, start the, start the draft. Host, it's already confirmed I'm hosting the digital draft show. We had 10 million views last year. Uh, you know, we'll be doing that uh, this year again. So I'd like to consider myself getting ready. But, you know, at the same time, I think I'm also, it's rubbing off of me who I work with. I woke up this morning at, you know, 5 in the morning to go to the gym because I'm yoked. And uh, all of a sudden, <laughs> I, I look at my phone. Harry Douglas sent me a text at 2 a.m. with a bunch of film breakdowns of what he saw in Jacksonville versus Kansas City. So, you know, maybe I'm, it's just it's rubbing off on me working with HD. Hold on. Does anybody switch through different diets or non-diets more than you? I feel like every no, time we talk no. to you, you're, you're either, ah, oh, yeah, I had 46 donuts yesterday, or nope, I'm only eating chicken and rice for the next two months. Yeah, which is a running, like, when I text my goal of junior, because I went to see a nutritionist and got a whole plan written for me, lost 22 pounds in the fall, felt really good about that. Then Christmas came and put a little of it back on. So I text Mike the other day and I said, I'm going to go try out Orange Theory because my goal of junior knows that really well. And he was like, you're going to love it. It's great. I did one class. And afterwards, I sent him the screenshot that you get from your Orange Theory workout, right? I sent it to Mike and he said, man, you signed up for the month unlimited, didn't you? And I'm like, how do you know? And he's like, because I know you never do anything with moderation. Moderation <laughs> isn't a word that I know. Like, I'm either drinking absolutely no soda or I'm drinking, you know, hundreds of ounces of diet soda a day. I don't know. I don't know any in between. I got nothing. What? Tell me what this workout. Orange Theory is like a, a, a gym. Like, it's a little like you sign up for these classes. And, like, it, the, you walk in and they've got the room split in thirds. So there's a, row, a group of rowing machines, a floor space and a treadmill, and everything has a number on it. So, like, if you're at station number one, you're at roller one, then you go to weight station one, then you go to treadmill one. And over the course of 60 consecutive minutes, you, uh, you're you out there trying to keep your heart rate. You're wearing a heart rate monitor. You're trying to keep your heart rate in certain zones while you work out for 60 minutes nonstop. And then if you hit enough times in the zones, then it uh, raises your metabolic uh, uh, resting rate by 20% for the next 24 hours. So anyone that's ever seen a picture of Mike Golick Sr. and asked yourself, how in the hell does he look so good now? Because, like, my guy was pudgy for a long time. Right now he looks like he could go out there and be, like, a senior model, right? Like, Mike's got that look, like, go, go look senior. And it's because he started doing Orange Theory. And now I watch him eat the dozen donuts 
and he still looks divine. So I'm hoping it has the same impact on me than it had on that silver fox. Jason Fitz with us on ESPN <laughs> Las Vegas. Um, all right. We later in the show are giving away tickets to go see Carlos Santana. Do you have oh, a Carlos we, Santana yeah, story? So we went to see Carlos Santana. Uh, and this is, this is like you get a bunch of snotty musicians in a room. They're never going to like anything. A bunch of us went to see him, and he was playing like a little club somewhere. And it was the only time on the road I can remember every one of us sitting there for the entire concert, and he played for over two hours. Like he was in one of those, like, I'm going for it. I'm playing everything. And there were some times that the guitar solos felt like they were 87 minutes long, and nobody moved from their seat because we were all just sitting there mesmerized. You want to talk about somebody that just, like absolutely pulls you in like a tractor beam with the way he plays. Oh, it is. It just it exudes soul. Like I'm telling you, if you can get a bunch of like cold, callous musicians that are like, I'm not that impressed to sit there while you go through hours of jam session guitar, you know, you're a golden God. That's called, uh, like, I'm, I would spend good money to go see Santana and I'm cheap as hell. All right. I don't think uh, we could have had somebody sell Carlos Santana no. tickets better. Right. We're going to have those phone lines. Those phone lines are going to be right. Up. Caller number 35. Yeah. Jason Fitz <laughs> from ESPN Las, or from ESPN Radio joining us on ESPN Las Vegas. Again, he'll be on right after us here on ESPN Las Vegas on Fitz and Harry. Jason, thanks so much Thank you, as buddy. always. Appreciate you guys. Have a great week. That's a, uh, that's a tough workout. God, it sounds terrible. 60 straight. 60 you're you're straight. focused on your heart rate being in certain zones? Yeah, that's... that's that's hard for 60 straight. Oh. Yeah, my goal is to start jogging soon. <laughs> I mean, that's uh... <laughs> not fun. Sounds no. terrible. All right. Uh, we'll Your do back Carlos might Santana. get hurt. My back probably would get hurt. <laughs> we'll do Carlos Santana tickets now. Jared, what caller number do you want? You got to answer uh, yeah, the phone. Let's go 13. 13. Caller number 13. You'll win tickets to go see Carlos Santana. He's got a residency here in Las Vegas through February, and we've got tickets for you right now. 702-364-1100. Caller number 13. You're winning tickets for February 5th show to see Carlos Santana at the House of Blues. 702-364-1100. And now Iowa State can just dribble it out. And Holmes will do just that, throwing it ahead to Lipsy. And Iowa State wins it. 78 to 67, the final. We're back to the press box with Grady and Bischoff. By the way, Iowa State beats Texas, as you just heard the final call there. Caleb Grill, who plays for Iowa State, former UNLV player, he had one of the best celebrations of the season in college basketball. He hit a three to put Iowa State up nine in the second half. And as he, as he ran back down the floor past the Texas bench, turned to them and told them you need to call a timeout. <laughs> did they? Just, they did not. They played it out. But yes, uh, incredible celebration. Just like I hit a three, we're on a run. You better call you better a call timeout, timeout, buddy. This isn't going well for you. Yeah. Oh, I was like, that's a phenomenal celebration. Loved every second of that. Okay. I got a college football story for you. Um, Florida appears to be losing a four-star quarterback recruit because an NIL deal fell through. So Jaden Rashada was originally committed to Miami. He flipped to Florida in the fall and reportedly was getting an NIL deal worth $13 million. He signed a contract with an NIL group that uh, gives money to players that are at Florida. But then in December, 
prior to signing day, this collective group sent Rashada a letter saying that the contract was canceled. So he signed a contract saying he's going to get $13 million. And then before signing day, they said, hold on, we're canceling this. He ended up signing with Florida anyway, but he was supposed to enroll in spring classes. He did not enroll in spring classes. Uh, According to 24-7 Sports, the collective is now offering an NIL deal uh, still over a million dollars if Rashada agrees not to sue anyone for the original $13 million (laughs) deal that he signed and they now canceled. Uh, Yesterday, Rashada officially asked to be let out of his letter of intent. Because again, he did sign a contract. This is not just a commitment. Well, well, two separate things. He signed the letter. Yeah, of he signed intent the letter of intent to play to at Florida, play but he also and signed, signed with a the contract. Group. And now he's asked out of his letter of intent from Florida. So, UNLV boosters, you need to come up with. <laughs> I'm going to say nine. I'd say he'd do it for nine at this point because nine million or nine dollars. <laughs> nine million. You need to come up with nine million. Get us a four star recruit. <laughs> so it's amazing, he's not five star, and he, they offered him thirteen million. Yeah. So, well, thirteen million over the course of five years. That's not, you know. <laughs> There's a lot of uh, questions about this. The Athletic did a good story on it because the the the, the NIL collective group that he signed the thirteen million dollar contract with that is apparently just like it's just a group of Florida fans that put a little bit of money in there. And the way the Athletic wrote their story a on little. this is that there's no way that group has $13 million. No, no state income taxes, Ed, you know. <laughs> so the idea here is that there must have been a, a separate alum or booster that said, okay, yeah, I'll, I'll pay $13 million for this kid to come, or I'll pay $10 million and, and you then, then you come up three. with the other three. And right. then the crypto market crashed. <laughs> well, it had already crashed a long time before this. So the question is, like, Whoever this was, maybe it was one, maybe it was multiple boosters or alums that had this $13 million. Did they just back out? Did they just say, yeah, I, I'll pay $13 million, and then like they three months later? They couldn't up with they couldn't come up with the money. Yeah, like three months later, they're like, oh, we're not doing that. We're at seven and a half at this point. And I guess the question, why, why are you, I don't know, why are you signing, having a kid sign a contract that says you're going to pay him $13 million? If it takes well, you're two right though. You, you could add out. You could add a booster back out though. But like, you could add someone with a lot of money back m- out. Much like everywhere, like you had a booster who said he was worth, you know, five hundred million, and it's like, huh? Seems here that you make less than a hundred thousand dollars a year. <laughs> you're in tremendous debt, sir. It just seems so bizarre that you would have somebody back. Because again, this wasn't like this wasn't over the course of two years. This was over the course of like two months. That he and they presented him with a contract. Yeah, that he flipped to Florida, signed this NIL contract, and then they said, hey, we're canceling. So he's asking to get out based on this uh, collective. But like you said, it's two different things you signed. You ended up signing with the program. Right. Now he's going to say, because of this collective is the only reason I signed with you. Yeah. I assume he gets out of it. I would, too. Because, I assume he gets out because of it. Because he was originally committed to Miami because... He some some like uh seven on seven team I think he played for. His coach on that seven on seven team is like a Miami alum or something like that. And he was originally committed to Miami, I think largely because of that relationship. And then Florida walked in and said, Here's here's thirteen million dollars and he said, All right, and his go friend, Gators. the coach went, 
Take it. Yeah. Go Gators. Exactly. Go Gators. And uh, that $13 million doesn't seem to exist now. So I assume he gets let out of it. Like, if you're Florida, because the other part of this, not that Florida's coaches don't probably know what's going on, but this is not Florida coaches offering him $13 no, million. No. This is Florida coaches being like, oh, you offered him $13 million? Great. Good That's for it. us. We want him. So, but now Florida coaches basically have to say, Okay, well, we have to let him out of his letter of intent because these morons said they had thirteen million, and now they're right. not going to they give do him not thirteen have million. Th- right, and now, narrator, they did not have right. thirteen million. And so now, Florida coaches are like, "Well, we they, they pretty much are going to have to let him out because yes, very yeah. rarely do players ask out and not get out, especially when it's public. Yeah. Like when it, there's like a big public story, you're going to get a lot well, of bad PR. If like you, you said, it's bad out. PR already with the thirteen million, right? And Which, every time this is written, it looks bad on you. <laughs> so there's your uh, fun NIL stories. I'm sure there are a lot of fun NIL stories, but this is one of the most high profile. Thirteen million. It's a lot of money for. Like, is that the market for? <sighs> Apparently, it's not because they didn't have the no because they didn't have thirteen million. <laughs> but is that the market for? Four-star quarterback recruit. Well, in the NIL, the NIL world, there's a lot of people stepping up with money. I mean, we've seen um, Bryce Young; he got over a million dollars, if not more. But 13's... 13's a lot more than so that. Much and more Bryce than Young's that. actually proven to be a great player. Because even um, if that's I don't even know that's broken down between four years, you're talking about three whatever yeah. that is, three point three something like that million a year. A year. Did UNLV's whole staff make three point three million combined? What's what's Barry Odom at? One point five? One seven, I one thought. Seven? The rest of the staff's not getting one point five or one point six I mean, combined. Maybe? Bobby Bobby Petrino, who's here for a second, was, was gonna get three hundred. So like you're telling me that if he went to Florida and if if, there were, if this NIL deal had held up, he was gonna make more money than pretty much every Mountain West staff? Makes I mean a lot how, more money. He was gonna make more 10 money. Ten million more. Yeah, he's gonna make more money than well, if you broke it down over Four years, it'd be three million a year. Okay, he was going to make more money than everybody but the head coach at Florida. I bet too. Uh, yeah, because oh yeah, because uh, yeah. the coordinators are probably eight hundred to a million there. Good for him. I mean, it didn't happen, but good for him. And I, I do wonder. Like, obviously, we don't have the Power Five program in Las Vegas, so we don't pay maybe as much attention as we should. But like, I need to go look up how much are like five star quarterbacks getting. It's just. The haves and have-nots and the power fives and the nots are just the discrepancy between them is just growing more and more and more every year. And this NIL has really brought it to the forefront of how different those worlds are. Um, And nothing against the Mountain West teams, but I've heard of NIL deals in this league. You know, have a a sandwich and we'll give you like 25 bucks. Go do an interview. We'll give you like 25 bucks. And again, they don't have as much. I, I understand that. But if you don't think there's a huge, huge gap in why the Power Fives win everything, you know, you're just not paying attention. How long would it take for all UNLV athletes to get NIL money to total up to $13 million? Uh, We'd be dead. (laughs) 